What is shaking, everybody? It is a fresh dose of the Wind Up podcast for you this week. And this is that episode I talked about last week that I wasn't super happy with. I sat down, I re-recorded it, and was like, this is what I really want to be talking about uh, for this show. So I'm very excited to get into it. Because every once in a while, as I've been doing this and getting used to uh, you know, getting these thoughts out and about into the interweb and the airwaves, it's been it's been interesting. It's been fun and it's been challenging for me to kind of keep things fresh, not try and revisit topics too much. Uh, also dive into things that I find interesting, keeping myself a little bit entertained selfishly while also giving you guys some real inside information on what goes on in this lovely wine industry that we're a part of out here. And this episode, I, I really came to want to do this episode because we've been talking so much about just like wine business. Uh, We've been talking so much about this last harvest in 2023 and kind of what it means for this industry uh, and how great it's potentially going to be. And in having started this podcast about last late February, March, it's been almost a full year already. One thing that I didn't really do is talk about 2022 and these wines that you're going to start seeing coming out probably later this year uh, and into, you know, the coming months. You know, this is a season that we've kind of mentioned here and there. We haven't really gotten into some of the dirty details of what that harvest really has to offer. Uh, There are definitely some challenges that were presented in it for us winemakers and what needed to happen. And, you know, I've been trying to wrap my head around how do we do this kind of like, you know, vintage review thing. And it always kind of made sense to do it at the beginning of the year, especially doing like our 2023 wrap up, which if you haven't listened to it, please go check it out. Uh, But we never really got into 2022 last year and and talked about that vintage. So we're going to dive into that and what to expect from these wines that are going to be coming out here sooner rather than later. In fact, some of you have already probably started to see some of these white wines come out. Uh, Maybe some lighter reds will be coming out this spring. And of course, the bigger reds and things are going to start getting bottled up here pretty quick. So we're going to dive into that. Uh, Before we get too far into it, again, thank you all so, so much for downloading, listening, subscribing to the show, uh, whether it's through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you're checking the videos out on YouTube, uh, the social network formerly known as Twitter, aka X, uh, the Instagram, the Book of Face, uh, at MTGA Wines is where you can find us. Uh, Please keep liking, subscribing. Uh, A huge favor, actually, that I can ask of all of you who are listening is to go to, I think, both Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts and write a quick review or at least give it a rating. Uh, That's really going to help kind of beef up the search results so it's easier for folks to find the show. Uh, It's a huge driver of, you know, traffic and allows us to kind of spread the word and, you know, hopefully uh, build the audience a little bit. So if you have a quick hot second, uh, wherever you're listening, on this or wherever you're listening uh, please go throw a review down and we'll thank you immensely for it Uh, this has been just an absolute blast to do so I I can't I I think I I try and say it at the beginning and end of every show uh, that it's just an absolute it's so much fun to be able to do this and y'all's input uh, also from the questions and answers that you got the questions that you want answered during our Q&A episodes um, the stuff that we can really incorporate into it to make this more interactive rather than just me talking at random at you about certain topics Uh, it, it makes it a lot of fun on my end so please keep doing all those things I really appreciate it all right, now without much further ado, let's get into it, shall we? Uh, the 2022 vintage. 
Now these wines, they've been in barrel now for over a year. Uh, they've been aging for a little over a year. A lot of the whites, rosés and things have probably already been bottled up. Uh, some of them have probably even been out and about and enjoyed at this stage. And we, the things that we've talked about, and you might have, you've been listening for a while, you've probably heard me reference 2022 a couple of times in terms of what that vintage has to offer. And I, I think it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one. It, actually, I know it's going to be an interesting one because of just what Mother Nature was doing. There's going to be kind of this huge dividing line in terms of what happened in that year and how both vineyard managers and winemakers reacted and how that's going to affect the wines in the long term. I think what people are kind of focusing on is this massive heat wave. Now, we had a huge heat spike out here where it was, you know, pushing 115 degrees for like five days straight. It was still hot on either end of that. Uh, it's definitely something that's abnormal for us. I mean, we're not afraid of those triple digits, but typically it lasts for like a day or two and then it cools back off into the 90s. That's not what happened. And that's really the main focal point of so many people for good reason, because it happened right as harvest is getting rolling and it's something where a lot of folks had to make a lot of judgment calls of, hey, are we picking before this heat? Are we going to try and pick during it or after it? What's going to happen? Uh, you know, it was going to have some kind of large sweeping ramifications for everybody in the industry. It's going to be a very interesting year for that reason, uh, because that's such a huge weather event that, you know, and everyone made a different judgment call. And some people, I think, ended up doing what I would consider kind of the right thing. Others ended up kind of up a creek without a paddle because they might have made a wrong decision. Although, you know, to each their own. Again, it's always a subjective. and But that's the joy of having an opinion is I can say it and people can disagree with me if they want. That's totally fine, you know. But I think the big thing that people are forgetting about 2022 is that rolling into that season at harvest season and before this big heat spike happened it was looking like a pretty solid year i mean everything was kind of lined up to knock it down um it was a little drier a little warmer uh, definitely compared to you know 2023 which we saw just an insane amount of rainfall in a very cool restrained year when it was all said and done but it was i mean it was looking beautiful in fact i think if you are going through some of the white wines the rosés kind of your lighter reds that maybe came in before this heat wave they're going to be gorgeous and i think very very consistent across the wines that you're used to from these areas as soon as that heat spike got into the forecast and we started trying to figure out what we were going to do these were the things that we had to think about and these are kind of the broad scope things that as you're getting into a harvest season, that this is the stuff you consider no matter what throughout the course of when to pick your grapes and how you want to you know, process them and work with them once they hit the winery. This is stuff you're thinking about you know, every single season. But when you have a major weather event that is a little bit abnormal, such as a giant heat wave where it's going to be 115 for five days straight, all of a sudden, these judgment calls become way more significant. Put it into a little bit of perspective for you. Because we talked a little bit about 2023, I'm not going to get too far into it, but some of you have heard me say, especially in that harvest and, and vintage kind of recap episode, that it was kind of lined up to knock it down for us. Mother Nature was very even keeled. The weather was cool. It was great. We were basically able to say, you know what? We can kind of pick at our leisure. We do not have to be in a hurry here. We don't have to make any huge judgment calls that are going to kind of put us on some thin ice. We're able to just do the work we want to do when we want to do it. 
And that's the great thing about a beautiful season like 2023 is that it makes our job. It's still a lot of work. It's still very stressful, but at least there's kind of one big variable in Mother Nature that we just don't have to worry about nearly as much. Um, we're always a little worried about it because until all the grapes are in at the winery, you never know what could happen. But for the most part, 2023, as far as the weather goes, was very unstressful, not stressful. It was very calm, cool, relaxed, as crazy as a harvest season can be. It was nice to not have to worry about that. In 2022, when you see that heat spike on the horizon, it's a different ball game. And I, I remember talking to my dad about this because that year I was actually helping make all the wines for uh, Anderson Con Valley Vineyards Ghost Horse as well as my own and some consulting projects. Uh, so there's a lot on my docket, uh, which was an immense amount of fun. Uh, definitely something different that, um, especially working for the family, I've not worked with my dad for, you know, on a winemaking side of things, probably for, you know, a couple of decades, you know, really it's kind of here and there. Um, but day to day, like, you know, working a harvest that had not happened in a long time. It was interesting. But what we both, we both were of this kind of same opinion and we have very, very different styles of winemaking. Many of you, you know, who've sat down or been to any of our tasting events, you, you've heard me tell this, these stories of, you know, his kind of mentality and how he wants to make his wines. And mine is a very, very different style, very different mentality than how he wants to do things. But both of us had the same opinion when this heat spike was coming in because we had all of our big reds yet to come in. I mean, that for us, that's all of our Merlot. It's all the Cabernet, Cabernet Franc. You know, all the heavy hitters are still waiting in the wings. And we see this forecast coming in. We're like, all right, well, let's see if we can get these grapes in sooner rather than later because we don't want to risk you know, them sitting out in that heat. They're just not going to do particularly well. Uh, luckily, the vineyards we're working with, we had plenty of water. We could irrigate a whole bunch, about 115 degrees for that long. It's You're still going to be, you know, fighting a raging forest fire, so to speak, with a garden hose. It's going to be it's going to be really tough to, you know, battle back from that. But in going out and walking through the vineyards, tasting grapes, looking at where they're at, things just weren't ready. They still tasted green. You, like you just, had, we did not have the physiological ripeness, the sugar content. I mean, everything was just still super feisty. And if we wanted to make, you know, wine more akin to, you know, what Napa was doing in the '70s, early '80s, or what Bordeaux has been known for—these kind of green, tannic, a little bit more intense, you know, rough around the edges wines that need 20 years to age before they're good—yeah, we probably could have picked some of those. But that's not the style that we go for out here. That's not kind of our, you know, modus operandi anymore. It, that That's kind of a, the way of the past, even for France these days. They're making riper wines than they ever have. So, you know, we were of both of the opinion that, hey, we just got to wait this out. And we'll irrigate a whole bunch. We'll try and keep the vineyards in good of condition as we possibly can, given the heat. But we got no choice to wait. And the mentality was this. The mentality was... We either harvest early when we don't want to, and we make wine that is subpar to our standards, or we wait and hope it gets better and we survive this heat wave and we make better wine, or maybe that doesn't work and we still make wine that's not up to our standards. It was kind of like, all right, we got nothing to lose here kind of mentality, which probably sounds a little crazy, but that's the judgment call we made. It was like, we either make the wine we don't want to make by harvesting early, or we hang tight and hope that there's an upside to this. And that was the judgment call we had to make. And it's like, well, 
hold on to your butts. Here we go. It's going to be a rough ride. And even before that, you know, we had had a couple of hot days where grapes had come in and you're like, man, this stuff, it's, it's looking a little, things are going to be a little rowdy this year. We, we kind of knew that this was a, a little bit of the vibe of the 2022 season as we were getting into harvest. But this was just like a kick in the pants, just boom. This, it was a mean right hook that Mother Nature threw our way in 2022. Now, for the rest of the valley, that's just kind of how we operated. Now, for the rest of the valley and a lot of Northern California, these are things that they also had to deal with, right? So now you have all these folks trying to make that same judgment call. And some folks that I know really well said, hey, we just, you know, we're low on water as it is. The reservoirs are low. You know, we're not going to be able to survive. We're already seeing some, you know, raisining out there. We don't want to sit through this heat wave. So we've got to bring stuff in. So there were people that were bringing stuff in just to make sure they could get whatever they could get before that heat wave rolled in. There were also folks that at a certain scale, you know, for some of your the big guys, you have to start picking at some point because you're managing not just when to pick, but also all the tank space and fermentation space you have back at the winery. So there is a little bit more of like a schedule of events that like once you get things going, you kind of keep plowing through and maybe you make some small adjustments based on which vineyards are getting picked when, but at a certain point, you're just bringing fruit in, kind of no matter what the situation is. So that's for more of the the bigger producers that have, you know, these huge yields and, and dealing with more of a schedule of tank space and fermentation times and other things. Another conversation for another day, which we will definitely get into. And then you had, you know, folks like us that were like, all right, well, I mean, we are willing to wait. And we'll wait as long as we can because if we start getting through this heat wave and things start going south quick, we're going to do everything we can to get this fruit in. And luckily enough, there was only one vineyard that I was working with actually that year that we really saw that. Because uh, this is the best part about this whole story in this little heat wave. I know I feel like I'm making a lot about this this like one week's worth of weather. But man, I mean, it's farming. That's what we deal with. You know, Mother Nature is the one who is driving this boat and we are literally just, we're in the inner tube in the back. And every once in a while, she cracks that whip and she sends you flying out into the water. And this was one of those years, you know what I mean? And I remember this because we're still working. We, we have some fruit coming in, but not a lot during that week. We're still managing fermentations. It's kind of a little bit of a breather for us. It's still crazy busy, but, you know, with not a lot of fruit coming in because of the heat wave, we kind of had some time to plan and prep and get stuff ready for you know, this onslaught that's going to be coming down the pipeline. And my dad and I are out on the crush pad, just kind of talking shop, having a Coors banquet beer. And he looks me dead in the eyes and is like, you know, once this heat wave's over, it's going to rain. And this wasn't even in the forecast. It's like, it's going to rain. And I look at him and I go, yeah, probably. That's, that's exactly what would happen. You know, why wouldn't it? You know, that's, this is, going to be that year where you know you get one curveball and the slider comes right behind it and you just got to be ready to foul off that pitch and hope you get to see the next one and sure enough that's what happened um, so this one vineyard that I was working with where it's like all right we got to get this fruit in that's where we had a lot of those you know raisining issues I mean it was looking really rough before uh, before it got to the was going to get to the winery it was not going to get any better the flavors you know and and the numbers and everything were just moving in the wrong direction very very rarely do I rely on the numbers to make my picking decisions it's always about flavor and, and texture and you know my kind of perceived quality I guess which is a little bit old school but I like doing things old school 
Uh, but this was one of those times which is why I always look at the numbers is because if you see something that's way out of whack, you just got to get things moving. And luckily for this vineyard, the flavors were fine. They were in a good spot. And realistically, you know, I was going to be able to work with this wine in the cellar in terms of the aging and the barrel program to get it where I wanted to go. So we're like, let's get this fruit in. Like, it's not, this is that point of no return. We're either out here for another week and it's not going to get any better. Can guarantee you, let's just get this fruit in before, you know, anything else comes down the pipeline. That was the only one that I was really, really stressed out about. Everything else, you know, you're kind of worried, but you get through it and you figure it out. So realistically, that was kind of nice, is that for us, there was only really one vineyard and a couple of lots that were, you know, we were like, "Eh, hopefully this all works out. But once we got to the other side of that heat wave and fruit started coming in, it basically leveled off. It was like, okay, the weather's going to be in the low 80s, maybe the high 70s. You know, it just was even keeled for the rest of the season. The thing that I think every one of us realized, and the more people I talk to, this is the case. I'm sure there are some exceptions. But because of that heat spike, the vines basically shut down. There really was not a lot more flavor development. There wasn't a lot more uh, physiological development. It, the fruit basically, once we got to the, you know, a week you know, removed from that heat wave of two weeks removed from that heat wave, the vines were done for the season. They're like, you can leave the grapes out here if you want to, but we're not going to be working on them. So at that point was basically when we started making that judgment call, like, all right, we're not seeing really any more development. Luckily, things have kind of receded in terms of the sugar content. You know, the things chemistry is kind of balanced back out a little bit. Let's go ahead and start bringing this fruit in and doing what we can with it. And that is exactly what we did. So, you know, we were able at that point after this heat wave came through to just make those judgment calls as we would because it's like, hey, there's really nothing else going on out there. Let's get this fruit in. Let's start making wine and we'll start kind of working with things to make sure that they get to a, you know, a stable point as best as possible. So it was it was for all intents and purposes for us, you know, because we waited through that heat, it was a great season for us. And the wines are going to be, man, as I've been tasting them in this new year, they're still intense. They're really bold. They're, the tannins really are a little rougher around the edges. It's a little bit more akin to what like 2018 was for us. Um, they're really actually, they're not absorbing too much of the new oak. It's, it's, it's a nice kind of balance with the oak and aging program. They're in a really beautiful spot. But we had to make a lot of tough decisions to get there. Now, to kind of go back a little bit, for those, then this is kind of the story that I've heard from some colleagues, is that those that kind of, you know, maybe they panicked a little bit, or maybe they really, you know, just didn't want to deal with this heat wave, and they picked early, they found themselves in some trouble, because there just simply wasn't as much development, they didn't get the ripeness that they wanted, And now they're sitting with wines in barrel. And and we talked about this, you know, even, you know, uh, you know, this time last year with some of these folks was, yeah, it's going to be a rough year for us because we just didn't get the ripeness and the development that we would want because we picked before this heat spike. Now we can manufacture that and kind of use some additives and extracts and things to get us there. But that's not what we want to do. That's not, you know, we're not manufacturing wine. We want to craft wine. That's kind of the mentality, right? But sometimes when you're up a creek without a paddle, 
you got to start using your hands or something, I guess. I don't know. Um, so it's going to be, you know, a really interesting year to evaluate. And I think it's very akin to a couple other years that came before it. Now, I think the main comparison, and it's going to happen with 2023 as well, with this most recent harvest because of the hype, how excited people are about it. 2022 is going to kind of get swept under the rug. They're like, that little guy? Ah, don't worry about that little guy. Because it was such a weird year and so many people had such a tough time getting through it that, you know, we got through it. But there's this great golden child of a year that's kind of waiting in the wings now. And that's what people are going to focus on. We're going to try, the industry itself is going to try and not talk about the trials and tribulations of the 2022 vintage, that heat wave, and the judgment calls that had to be made. They're just not going to, we're not going to talk about it. The same thing happened between 2011 and 2012. 2012 was such a great kind of golden child year. 2013 was the same. 2011 got panned critically. And, you know, it was a tough sell for a lot of wineries as a result. One of the reasons why we don't get our wines rated or reviewed is I'm not going to submit something to get, you know, trash talk by people. But that doesn't happen all that often, right? And, you know, all of a sudden you had these 12s that were like, all right, well, let's bypass. Let's let's sell what we can of the 11s. And then the second 2012 is ready. We got to get that moving because there's just this negative aura around 2011, what it had to offer. Keep in mind that the 2011s are tasting phenomenal there they are in my opinion probably the the ones that are truly great that people did a killer job with are some of the best wines of the last decade and a half they are outrageously good and any winemaker will tell you that a hundred percent most people in napa in the industry will tell you that which is our little insider like oh people don't like this one good because we want to drink it we are totally okay with that but the same thing even going back to 1997 and 98 1997, for those that remember, was the golden child vintage of the 90s. It was, you can't get these wines in your cellar soon enough because they're going to be that fucking good. That's what people really, they were like, this is it. And then 1998 came around, which is very akin to a 2011, cold, wet, rainy, you know, very tough for people to to work with and around uh, because Mother Nature was being a pill. And as a result, it got panned. Hey, don't, this 1998, ignore that. That is a bad vintage in Napa. Don't even bother with it. And, you know, it got bypassed. And sure enough, the same thing happened to that. It's like, oh, the 98s are showing beautifully. And the 97s, frankly, fell apart a lot sooner than I think people imagined, which is interesting how that works out. Uh, It's why typically we tell you folks, hey, if you hear that Napa's having a bad vintage, pay attention. Because that's when you're going to get some really great wine that no one sees coming. It's going to be outrageous. So I tell you that kind of long-winded story of these prior vintages because that's what I see happening with 2022. 2022, it's, it's going to be different. It's actually going to be the exact opposite because it wasn't this cold, wet, rainy year that caused problems. It was this hot, dry, heat wave year that caused problems. And it's something that, at least in my memory, we haven't had to deal with an extreme like that in some time. You know, we've had some hot, dry years in terms of the drought seasons we've had from 
you know, basically 2012 all the way to 2016, we got a little bit of rain and then it still stayed pretty dry after that, 27 until 2023. You know, some years had a little bit closer to average rainfall. A lot of them didn't. That's why California, like Northern California and Napa have been in this drought as long as we have up until, you know, really recently when, you know, we have this bonkers rainy year that we did in 2023. <clears throat> but I'm a firm believer that these quote-unquote challenging years and these challenging weather conditions. Now, there's a lot that obviously we as winemakers and people in the industry can't control. There's only so much you can do uh, with Mother Nature to try and mitigate things. And there, there are some tricks of the trade in terms of how you're farming and managing a vineyard that you can utilize. It's like as far as, you know, how how much are you de-leafing? Are you clearing out space around the fruit to make sure that it gets more sun and heat and things of that nature? Or are you leaving those leaves on there to protect them? Um, are you pruning in certain ways? Are you dropping fruit at certain points uh, to make sure that the vine is concentrating on certain things? You know, it's there's a lot of little things that you can do. You know, what's your irrigation schedule? How are you, you know, dealing with that? There's all kinds of little stuff uh, that we can get into. And we actually haven't really talked too deep on the farming side of things. So we got to get into that this year as well. We're going to get more into that, I promise. So you can mitigate it to a certain point. But in the grand scheme of things, like we've been saying, Mother Nature's at the wheel. You're along for the ride. So what are you going to do? And it is, I'm firmly of the opinion that these tough years, whether it's something like 2022 with the heat or a 2011 with the rain, that these are the vintages that separate the good winemakers from the great winemakers. And for those, you know, you think of it's like, oh, it's this nice, like, step up the ladder. No, 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 no. Like, from good to great is like a tenfold, like, exponential jump. We're talking, like, Richter scale kind of talent here. It's how I view wine as kind of this art form is that, you know, you start kind of low on a nice flat curve with, you know, okay, like, it's drinkable, it's passable, it's fine. And then below that, behind that, you have, like, oh, I've never drank that, right? And then you go to, like, okay wines. And they're like, they're, you know, they're okay. If someone else buys it and opens it, you'll probably have a sip, but you're probably not buying it yourself, right? Then you have your good wines. We're like, you know what? I'd like to have a couple of bottles of that hanging around. Then you have your great wines. We're like, okay, these are the wine clubs I'm member, a member of. I want to make sure I can drink these wines regularly, right? And then you have like your mind-blowing, life-changing wines up that curve. And so really, it gets really steep, really, really fast because you're not just going like one rung up a ladder. It is a full-on 10 times jump to get from good to great. That's really how I view the wines that we make and also the talent of winemakers. And I think any one of us can say that about any industry we're in. Like We know the people that are pretty good at their job. We know those folks that kind of fail upwards. Somehow, some way, they keep trucking right along, and none of us know exactly how it happens. And they're pretty okay at what they do, but that's about it. I'm probably ringing a bell with some of you right now. You're like, God, I hate that fucking guy. All he does is suck and take up more time, but somehow he keeps trucking along while I'm busting my ass over here. It's like going back to high school or college when you're the only one doing or whatever, you know, you're the only one working on the report and you have that slacker who's just going to take some of the credit away from you, right? Who did absolutely nothing. Been there, you know? And then you have like the folks that are really good, you know, the folks that are really trying to put in some effort, get the work done, make sure that it's done to a T. And then you have the folks that are just, you know, moving up that like a scale of innovation of like, hey, like these are going to be like the movers and shakers in our business and our company and how and kind of the leaders that we're following. Right. And that's kind of how it works. And it's not just a next rung up the ladder. Like it takes a lot of talent, a lot of effort to get up there. And that's really my view 
of winemaking in any of these challenging years, especially when you have to take into account Mother Nature, a variable that you are barely, if at all, going to be able to control or mitigate, right? If you're able to make really killer wine in a tough year, in tough circumstances, you're in the top 0.01% of winemakers. It's that simple in, in my mind. Because there are so many folks that will gladly say, oh, it was a bad vintage, these aren't the best wines, but we did the best we could. And they kind of shrug it off as this, you know, oh, you know, just is what it is kind of mentality, which I hate that turn of phrase. Uh, and it, it seems lazy to me. It seems as though there were things that could have been done that should have been done that simply weren't for whatever reason. And then you have the folks that really try to be like, all right, we're up against the wall, but we got to go around it, over it, through it, under it. We got to find something to do. And they're the ones that innovate and try and find ways to work through these challenging years and truly do the best they can with what they got. Now, that is totally up to that individual, that winery, that production, their methods, how they go about their business. You know, I'm not going to be able to sit here and tell you, hey, these producers are going to have kick-ass wine from 2022 because I don't know. I haven't been in their cellars. I haven't tasted a lot of those wines just yet. I'm going to be learning right along with you all as you start buying these 2022 big reds and we're trying to figure out, all right, which way is up? We've heard about this heat wave. We know that these wines are going to be very interesting depending on if you harvested before, during, or after that heat wave. You know, what are the expectations? And for those winemakers that are able to capitalize on whether, no matter where they harvested, I mean, that's the thing about a great winemaker and a great team is that no matter how they made that judgment call or what they did, they're still making great wine, right? That's what makes them a great talent in this industry is that you can make that judgment call. It was the right one to make and you're able to capitalize on what you're able to do. So if you decided to harvest early and your wines are a little rough around the edges, the tannins are a little greener, you didn't quite get the ripeness that you wanted, how are you acting in the cellar to get your wines to where you want them to be? Are you using a lot of, you know, our lovely book of additives and extracts and things? Or are there other things that you can do to help get those wines where you want to go, or at least closer to where you want without having to drastically manipulate them as far as like food processing goes? Because that's what you get to when you start using some of that stuff. And then those that harvested in the middle and afterwards, same thing. Are you able to take what nature gave you and run with it to the best of your ability? And luckily, this is why Napa has become the region that it has become, is that there is a lot of great talent out here that despite the crazy situations we find ourselves in in a harvest season, we're able to make pretty good juice, no matter what, because we're pretty good at what we do. But there are chosen few folks out here that are, you know, truly great and can really make fantastic wine pretty much no matter what the situation is. And I think there are a lot of folks that are obviously trying to achieve that. It's not to say that there's a huge swath of winemakers out here that are lazy because they see the weather forecast and like, oh, nothing we can do about that and we'll write this year off. That's not at all the case. But it is a learning process. This is a true like trade skill type thing. You need the experience. You need to understand what it's going to take for you 
to mitigate some of those things that nature's throwing at you. I mean, that was the case for me in 2022. There were a lot of things that I had to adapt to and overcome, which made it an extremely fun harvest for me. I learned so much and got to do things and adjust, you know, winemaking techniques to fit something that I had never dealt with before uh, for multiple clients because it was just such a weird, crazy year because of that heat spike. And that's the really cool thing about 2022 is that there's going to be some really awesome wines that come from it. So don't let the critics get you down. If there's one piece of advice from 2022 and this vintage that's going to slowly start making its way out later this year is that do not pay attention to the hype. Same thing with 2011, same thing with 98. These are years where it's like, get the wine, taste it for yourself and decide whether or not it's worth it to you. Because there's going to be so many variables that we had to deal with that you're going to be dealing with all those as well, depending on when we harvested and how we made that wine over the course of the season. Now, for many of the producers that you like to follow, you can pretty much bet they're going to be making pretty good wine. We're not, we're not going to sling wine and release stuff that we're not happy with, that we're not proud of. That's, that does not happen. If it does, that's when you're actually the truly lazy winemaker who just doesn't give a shit about their job, which sucks. There are a handful of those. But it's few and far between. So, you know, trust in the producer and the winemakers that you like. And that's really going to be how to, you know, navigate a year where it's going to be pretty variable, like a 2022. Now, that's a whole lot. Those are a lot of stories and anecdotes but what about the wines themselves? Now, it's been my experience with the 22s that I have tasted that you're seeing, at least I mentioned a little bit, like the tannin structure is a little bit more intense. Uh, we're making judgment calls for some of our reds, actually, where we're going to age them in barrel like a little bit longer. They're a little rough and tumble. They are not quite coming together as quickly as, say, a 2021 or a 2023 even. They're just taking more time to get there, which was very akin to what happened in a 2011 or a 98. It just took them a little bit longer to get to the finish line. And I think that's what we can kind of expect somewhat from 2022, is that these wines are going to just need a little bit of extra patience, both on our part as we're producing them, but also once they make it out into the world. It's going to be worth, hey, if you've got a couple bottles of it, Try one, and then if need be, save the other for a rainy day down the line because it just might need that extra time. That's kind of where I, that's my general kind of vibe or like thesis on where, or hypothesis, not thesis, hypothesis on kind of where 22 is going to be, is that it's going to be something that, you know, is going to just need a little bit, you know, just a little shove. We got to get the momentum going a little bit, and then time is really going to be the thing that does that. In fact, this is what we were talking about. We were, uh, you know, catching the NFL games, you know, over the weekend. And, you know, you're hanging out at the bar. You run into colleagues and, and friends out here. And we're catching up about the harvest season and specifically how this last harvest is. We're not talking too much about the 2022s other than, shoot, we got to start getting ready to bottle these. We got blending sessions coming up. There's a lot of work on the 22s that we got to get done. It'll all happen in good time. We've been so hyper-focused on the new stuff that it's time to go back and start working on the 22s. Uh, it's funny, a lot of the you know friends and, and you know winemakers that I follow, you know whether it's on social networks or just chatting with them at the local bar, you know everyone's in that mode of like we got to get back to 2022 and start checking in on these kids and making sure they're where we want them to be because it's been a little while, right? And all of us are, I think everyone I've talked to so far is kind of of the same opinion where 
the 22s, once they well, the wines are made and they're in the cellar, even going into January, February, March, they still needed some babying along. There was a lot, there was a lot of kid gloves being used to try and make sure that these wines really got on the track we needed them to be. And that just, you know, for me, that always means, you know, what we were talking about. It's going to take a little bit more time for these wines to really show their true colors and the complexities and kind of those yum factors that we look for. It's just you're going to have to be a little bit patient with 2022, which is totally OK. It's it's this is why wine is such an amazing beverage is that it kind of has every vintage and every wine kind of has this personality that you're working with. And that's been I mean, everybody, I, I mean, everybody I've talked to is, yes, the 22s are, they're in a great spot, but man, they've just, they've been kind of like an angsty teenager the whole time. Like they've just kind of been a pain in the ass, which doesn't mean it's going to be a bad wine, just means it's a lot of work for us. But we lovingly do that to make sure that you all can drink really amazing wines once they finally come into your local restaurants, once they come in your club shipments, whatever the case may be. You know, it's, it is pretty funny how we're all kind of approaching the 22s. I mean, everybody I've talked to has been that way. And it's all been at the local watering hole because we're all commiserating. <laughs> now that we've gotten through our, you know, post-harvest hibernations and we're all waking back up in January to get this work done, we're all talking shop again, which is a lot of fun. Because it's interesting, as, as we all talk about 2023, because we're kind of comparing and contrasting a lot like we're doing in this episode of, you know, one vintage to the next. As we are talking about 2023 within the industry, everyone is still like, it's been so easy. Like things are done. I can do this kind of at my leisure. I don't have to worry. Like things are just trucking right along. It's pretty funny. The the personalities of a vintage and how they come to pass. And this 2022 vintage is has been a feisty one. You know, 23 is another one of those golden children that can do no wrong. And the wines are going to be fantastic from it. But I think 22 realistically is going to be a sleeper. There's going to be some really amazing stuff that comes from it. And there's going to be, you know, you're going to have to have a little bit of patience with it. It's going to take some time for it to really shine and do the things that we want it to do as far as a beverage that we're enjoying. But it's going to get there. Believe me, the wines are tasting great. They are just taking their sweet ass time getting where they want to go, which is no problem. So that is a little insider track on the 22 vintage and hopefully a little comparison to some of the prior vintages that you know we talk about all the time this is really kind of the mentality that we have out here in the industry is that you know a lot of a lot of the vintages it's kind of a what have you done for me lately kind of mentality and you know for us as as winemakers and, and professionals in in wine this is the stuff we talk about again at our local watering hole we talk about the challenges that we're facing how the wines have moved along i mean even as simple as oh you know like 22 the mls took forever to finish up this year they're already done we can just start racking and doing things it's it's like little things that we all just kind of understand within our industry of like oh it's a little easier and simpler this year and last year was kind of a pill and we just got to try and adjust and do the best we can with it it's a very interesting vibe when we all start kind of coming out of this, you know, December, January hibernation. We start going and, and watching football and catching up and talking about where our wines are at, and see, you know, talking with, you know, other colleagues about what their experiences are, what they're getting ready to bottle, what the blends are tasting like and kind of the general kind of insider track of the theme of a particular vintage. And it really seems to be the case with 2022 that everyone is very optimistic about it given what we had to go through to make those wines 
but we're all of the opinion that it has been a challenge and we've had to really put in a lot of work to make sure these wines are getting to where we need them to go. It, it has been a very fun vintage to work with, uh, despite the challenges and the trials and tribulations. It's part of the reason why, personally, I love this industry is because you have to adapt and overcome that stuff every single season. And that's what makes these wines so special and so unique, is we're trying to capture that and put it in a bottle and tell you that story of what went into making these wines. So, ah. Uh, that was way better than the first time I recorded that. I got to tell you, I, I dove right into the first recording of this, which is why we posted a different episode last week. And I really just kind of dove, dove into like flavors and characteristics and like the barrel programs. And, and I was a little bit more, you know, I don't know. It, it read more like a tech sheet or tasting notes. And I got like, I, I recorded it, listened to the first like 15 minutes. And those, some of you know, I hate tech sheets. I hate tasting notes. They're basically useless because uh, realistically, you just need to try the wine and decide for yourself whether or not you like it. Um, those marketing departments have put those together. Believe me, I've been a part of them. They do a good job, but it's not. there's nothing quite like experiencing it firsthand and how you utilize a wine in your day-to-day -day life. Uh, but that's what that first episode was going to sound like. I was like, I got, all right, I got to redo this. We got to talk a little bit more about the grand scheme and perspective of, you know, one vintage versus the next and what it means for you guys. Once you start seeing these wines come out and about and hopefully what to expect. And hopefully it gave you a little bit of an inside perspective of our mindset and how we work through some of these vintages, whether it's a line it up to knock it down year, like this last one or something that threw a couple curveballs at us like 2022. So Thank you all so much for tuning in. As always, I appreciate you. Uh, please remember to like, review. Again, the reviews are hugely helpful in getting the podcast kind of out further into the airwaves. So please make sure if you have a second to do that, we would greatly, greatly appreciate you for it. Uh, be sure to follow us on all of our social networks, just at MTGA Wines, on the YouTube, Book of Face, formerly known as Twitter, Instagram. I think that's all of them. You'll find us. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you next week. We are going to do, oh, it is our Q&A next week. So if you have any questions that you would like answered, be sure to submit them in the comments, slide into the DMs on any one of those social networks or submit a question through our website. Happy to do that as well. And then at the end of the month, it's taking a little bit more editing than I thought it would do, which I should have expected. I've done this video stuff before for a living. I should understand what it takes. But hey, it's new to me all over again. We're going to have our first guest on the 31st, is it? Is that when, it, when it's coming up? Oh my gosh, where's my calendar? Yeah, the 31st. In two weeks, we're going to have our first guest on the podcast. Uh, we are dialing in. Uh, we did a little test run to make sure that like recording and uh, video and everything's going to work. It's probably going to be a bit of a rough draft, so bear with me as I kind of dial it all in. Uh, but we will be doing uh, just that. So you can look forward to the first guest on the podcast, which I will announce hopefully next week. So a little teaser for you there to tune in next week to our Q&A. Take care, y'all. Have a great rest of the week. We'll see you next time.